over here. Calvin, I'll get to you in a second, but look, it's my eldest son's ninth birthday today. He got this big baseball net. Son, I just got to say, incredibly proud of you. Thank you for such an amazing nine years of my life, my favorite season of life. And I got to say, I'm just a little bit horrified because I think it's like nine now. He's, that's like halfway to 18, Calvin. That is, man. <laughs> halfway out the door. You got to hold him tight. Happy birthday, bud. Now, you guys might be wondering, why is, why is Calvin up here? Well, Calvin was coming through town. Calvin is a military logistics guy. He stopped by the studio. Um, he knows that I've had a lot of experience in this industry. He wanted to pick my brain a little bit. And I said, hey, Calvin, come on the show for just a couple of minutes. Let people know your situation, what you're looking to do, because I think you've got a good story. So tell people what's going on with you. Yeah, well, thank you, first off, for the experience. This is invaluable. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've been in the military um, coming up on eight years in November. Um, spent all my time in logistics, done uh, stuff from logistics, clerical work, associate all the way up to now being the uh, senior logistics manager for a battalion of about 530 people. Um, recently been on my heart to, uh, to transition due to uh, mostly family things. You got kids, right? I do. That's what touched me. You're like, I, I got, I just had a kid. Six, I've got my eldest yeah. six. Six, four in two months. Uh, so, you know, the one thing you can't get back is time. And so that's what I'm really looking to do. And uh, I'm just really excited about having the opportunity to have the year yeah. until I get out so that I can network, meet with awesome people like yourself and uh, just gain as much knowledge that I can so that it's a smooth transition on the way out. So. Well, hey, the, Calvin's a great guy over here. He's got over seven years of experience in logistics, moving to some of the hardest places in the world, moving more than $50 million of freight a week. He's someone that you're going to want in your house. He's out here. He's looking. He's trying to figure out the culture, the right fit for this transition to civilian life. If someone likes what they said, they want to invite you into their office. They said, hey, I could use a guy like you. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn, Calvin Applin. Um, also, um, phone number, Feel free. I don't know, 727-483-0307. Um, available a lot of time on my hands, thankful to uh, paternity leave. So, yeah, reach out. I'd love to uh, network and gain resources that you might have. Well, Calvin, thank you so much for stopping by the show. Say hi to Gunner for me. And um, <laughs> Will do. everybody out there, reach out to Calvin. I think thank he'd be a good addition to your team. Thank you. Take care, sir. And then when you leave, there's a green button on that door you came through. People get screwed up on all. You got to press the green button through here to go through there, take a right, and then just walk straight to the end of the hallway and press the, the green button. Well, that was cool. Calvin's, Calvin's a great guy. Happy birthday, son. A little quick news before we get to our first guest, and it's bad. I hate to start off this way on a Friday, but approximately 100 workers were fired via Zoom yesterday at BNSF. I believe that they were just picked up too, so maybe these are some cuts from that transition. There should be a story on FreightWaves.com soon with all of the details, so go over there and check that one out. And Specialized Logistics Services, based out of Sumterville, Florida, has gone out of business as well. They had 25 drivers, according to Safer. They managed to drink, bring all their drivers back to the yard. None were abandoned on the road, didn't have some kind of like Celadon situation, so that's great. And, uh, oh, by Sunday night, we'll know if we're getting a government shutdown or not. Calvin, he's actually still in the military. He'll know if he's getting paid on Monday or not, because part of that government shutdown, he wouldn't be. Monday, we'll be getting deep into it, because right now, we'd all just be speculating. I wrote a little bit about it in the newsletter yesterday. There's an article on FreightWaves.com that tells you some of the services that will be impacted, but Monday, we'll go deeper. Today, on today's, we're hosting Please Advise Summit 2 with a collection of some of the greatest minds in freight. They're breaking down the hottest headlines of the week, violence at UAW strikes, have Crocs gone too far in trucking, robot lumpers, if tracksuits help you book more loads, and more. Ever see a beautiful semi rolling down the road and wonder how that incredible rap got on it? We're going to learn the art of wrapping a semi truck from Total Truck Branding. What's the methodology behind CSA scores and how audits work? Fleetworthy Solutions' Robert Proctor. He goes beyond compliance as he breaks down everything we need to know about CSA scores. Plus, we got emotional support, alligators, hangover cures, sending an F1 car to Vegas, and Facebook's new glasses. So let's tip the band. We'll get down to business. 
No ride, no app, no problem. With Uber Central and Uber for Business, you can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the tractor. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support in an easy-to-use dashboard. Just go to uberforbusiness.com and learn all you need to know. Now, before we bring up Total Truck Branding, let's take a look at what they do. Go. Sharp. With us now is Mario Lakovic. He is the owner over at Total Truck Branding. What's up, Mario? What's up, man? How are you? How's it going this morning? Hey, I got to see some of your videos that Stephanie sent me, and the wraps look absolutely fantastic. Before we get all into it, though, introduce yourself to our audience. Who's Mario? Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I'm Mario. I come from former Yugoslavia. I've been in the United States for about 25 years. A father of two twin boys. And pretty much all I do is we print dope sh all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you say you're, oh, you're a former military too, so you must have liked Calvin's story. I bet you were at some point. No, no, I was not former military. Oh, I thought you said former army. I'm sorry. I missed you. Leatherface was going crazy with his chainsaw over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> no. Dude, how, how long you been wrapping dope, dope stuff for? How long you been doing this? I want to say we've been going on, I've had the company now for about three and a half years, but prior to that, we, uh, I was doing printing for about five years. So for a total of about eight, eight and a half years in the printing and wrapping industry. How did you get into this space? So I used to be a marketing manager for a transportation company out of uh, Elk Grove Village, Illinois. And uh, one of the things, one of the, my undertaking was trying to make our fleet stand out amongst the crowd of all these white trailers, right? You got all these 53 foot trailers. So we had to put some decals on there anyway, like unit numbers, some gross weight stuff. So I said, hey, why don't we brand it with our stuff? And then it'll look like when you see 20 trailers, it makes it seem like you have 80 out there because people just keep seeing your brand over and over and over again. So we did it there for a little bit. And then I um, decided to expand. Um, they were obviously in the transportation industry and I wanted to make a subset of that. So then I expanded and did the printing by myself. Interesting. So how does the process work? Let's say I got a trucking company. I come to you, Mario, and I say, I need this thing to look awesome. I need this thing to stand out. I want, right. it, to, I want it to sell loads. I want it to recruit drivers, and I want it to look badass. Right, absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, the, the first person you speak with is Stephanie, right? She's the first uh, point of contact. You get in touch with her. You kind of go over what you're looking for, if you have a logo, if you don't have a logo. Um, what you're looking for, how you're trying to advertise drivers. Is your message to get more drivers or you want your branding out there? So we kind of go through all that. And then as you're seeing there on the screen is once we have an idea of what we're doing, we lay it all out on, a, on Adobe Illustrator, use that, and then create a design based on everything that we talked about and then send it to you for approval. We go back and forth a few times until everything is perfect how you want it. Once we get it, we use the same program to be able to print it on our Roland, uh, Roland printers. We have three printers that are exactly the same, so we can pump out volume at a high rate. And then it goes through a laminating process where everything is, gets clear-coated with a lamination, so it protects from sun damage, it protects from scratches, anything like that. And then there's a bunch of other stuff like cutting, weeding, transfer taping, all before it gets on the trailer or the truck. What kind of, what kind of like material goes on the trucks? This looks really neat. And, and show this wrap. I think we have a wrap in action. Yeah, what's happening here? Sure, sure. I think this is just, we're just putting our stickers on a trailer that we partnered with. So we wrapped their trailer. And then that's how it looks like. It's a um, self-adhesive vinyl. Um, there's cast material. Cast material is the highest quality material you can have. It conforms to body lines. So that's what we use to uh, put on the trailers. Uh, it's a large format printing. So we, it's panelized printing. So we print it in sections of 48 inches or 58 inches, depending on the trailer type, because some trailers have wider panels. And then it's all panelized printing. And then if anything were to happen, if a panel needs to be replaced, as you see there, that's the panelized printing. You don't need to replace the whole wrap. You just replace the panel that was damaged or whatever it may be. And you have your wrap once again. Wow. Interesting. But now I think we have a, let's take a look at this skull truck. This project I thought looked really interesting. Tell me a little bit about this one. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, this was my first truck wrap when I ventured out on my own. Uh, one of my first customers, uh, he came up to me, he was, um, 
I'm not sure if he was former military. I don't believe so, but I believe he was an immigrant who's very proud to be where he is, which is the United States, where he's got his opportunities, and he wanted to reflect that on his truck. He was also a big fan of Skulls and the Punisher movies, so we kind of went back and forth trying to figure out how we would incorporate all of that into the truck. We came up with this design from scratch for him, and then as you see there, we had two gentlemen do it. We knocked it out in about five hours. Looks beautiful. Were you nerve? Was it nerve wracking doing your first one? Were you afraid this would be a mess up? And what did you learn? Of course, of course. And I think I'm still learning after every install. I learn something new, right? Every truck is a little bit different. Um, I was nervous, but the one thing I always stand behind is my warranty. I always give a two year warranty on our work. If anything were to happen, just come back. We'll, we'll, we'll do it for you for free. Um, that's something I stand by. I, I, I don't like to go to bed worrying at night if something happened, if someone thinks I didn't do something right. Luckily, we haven't had those situations, knock on wood, but we give a two-year warranty with all of our work. So if anything were to happen that, that's clearly on our end where it was to peel off or wasn't to align, we reprint it and rewrap it. Uh, all around your schedule, obviously, everyone's on the road trying to push as many loads as they can. So we're very flexible with uh, accommodating and readjusting schedules. What's like the life cycle of a wrap? Because you're going to get, you know, row damage and sun damage on it. Well, these things, I mean, they probably wouldn't last a lifetime of a truck, but how much, what, what's a reasonable expectation of a wrap? Reasonable expectation is about seven to 10 years. And that's on a good scale. You, I've seen more, but the problem is after that, it really gets sun baked in. You maybe yeah. don't even want it in there that much because then you can't remove it. Uh, reasonable expectation is seven to 10 years. We give a warranty for two full years. Um, but for the most part, everyone that I've run across Five years is the life cycle of equipment, really, before three to five years before they sell it anyway or replace it. You know, and so that was your first truck. Let's fast forward to this year where you've won a couple awards. Here's a few of the trucks that got those awards, and I think I see some trophies if you look close over here. Tell me about these Absolutely. trucks and, uh, and what happened here. Absolutely. So this is through a great business partner of ours, Grasshopper Trucking. Um, so we've done a few wraps for them. We were at the Matt show last year where we did that full uh, truck wrap with the Camo Green um they have a driver who was a former veteran he wanted to express himself on the truck it's something that they did for him and then when the iowa trucker jamboree came around we wanted to um portray our trucks and the work that we've done so we uh we input both of those trucks into the contest and the one on the right there one for second best design for a like an everyday worker truck not like a showpiece type but one that's on the road and that was also they wanted to stick with their grasshopper roots and their Chicago roots theme. <laughs> That's me with the trophies. <laughs> and they wanted to incorporate whatever their driver wanted, which, again, was an American Eagle with the American flag. So we, we talked to a lot of their drivers to see what they want, get a lot of their input. And then we make the design from scratch based on that. Nice. What do you like? What do you get for winning at these truck shows? Oh, no, just get a really awesome trophy. And I think recognition, people see us there all the time. We keep networking with the same people. We build relationships and rapport. And people see that, hey, this is a serious company. It's not just some, you know, stickers that you put on a truck. But we are able to pretty much do whatever you can think of. Given the right amount of time, we can pretty much make it come to life. It looks fantastic. This must drive some leads for you, too, right? Or you win a championship at one of these things. People want you to wrap their truck. Absolutely. I wish I had somebody from Grasshopper here to talk about that. One of the main things when they called me over two years ago is what they wanted to do was attract drivers. So they wanted to put a message on the back of the truck, what they offered that they felt was more competitive than other people in the industry. Um, so we put up some, such as owner operators earn whatever it was, 90% or whatever it may be, however much they were paying cents per mile at the time. And they always tell me that their recruiting team keeps getting calls, say, hey, man, I just saw your trailer on the road. I just saw your trailer on the road. I see you guys everywhere. Even though they are a fairly larger transportation company, I believe there are over 100 trucks and trailers, but it seems like they got over 400, 500 when you keep seeing the same truck and the same trailer over and over and over again. So they said that itself has been great. They get leads daily on top of the leads that they get from generating leads through different marketing efforts. They get about five to seven genuine good leads per day from just people seeing their trucks on the road. Oh, I bet. I bet. Like, what would you, what would surprise people about truck wrapping? Like, what isn't obvious about this that should be? Or is obvious to you, but should be obvious to us? Sure. Um, I mean, you have a 53-foot blank billboard. I, it's, you can put anything you want on it. It doesn't have to be expensive. You could just letter by letter and put large letters saying we're hiring or put a QR code that somebody can really quickly scan on there. I think people are missing out that this is a moving billboard. And I, they definitely want to put a, they put a logo up front just so they can recognize their trailer or whatnot. But I think that 
they they limit themselves to what creatively what they can put on there with very minimal material, very minimal cost to be able to make it stand out. We had a customer that wanted reflective, so we were able to actually put reflective material on there. And now at night when people drive and those headlights at the material, that's all you see. There it is right there. Um, so I think it's just getting creative, knowing what's out there, knowing what's available, because most of the time all they get is simple truck signs or simple truck numbers from truck stops where they're at if something fell off and they need it real quick. Another thing they don't think about is we have magnets. For temporary solutions, we can print anything on a magnet, put it on your truck, put it on your trailer. Very good, quick advertising, and then you can always remove it. So it doesn't have to be permanent. If you're running a special just for a few months in a certain region, you can always do that on a magnet and then just peel it right off. I think it looks beautiful. Is there anything extra that goes into these, like the reflective coating? Is that a different process than a regular like wrap? Yeah, it's definitely a different process because the reflective material theoretically wasn't meant to be placed on a trailer or a tractor. So what we have to do is we have to print it on material that it was and then do a second print on the reflective material and basically install the reflective material on the material that's allowed to be on the uh trailer and tractor because what's going to happen is when you are, when you do remove it if it was just that reflective material it would damage the paint it may damage the aluminum but this way it won't you peel it off because it's the normal paper on there and you're good to go yeah you know it's interesting because we like look at this next one here this hulk smash one it's kind of like a much more minimalistic in design than some of these other reflective ones but like it's got that key standout feature which is like the big hulk fist right Absolutely. And that's, again, something where a customer wanted. We created that logo for them, I believe. They wanted something there um, just to stand out so people saw that it was their trailer, but they wanted something larger. So when you have a very nice color like that, that very large green, it's a very cool logo with that fist, it stands out no matter where you see it. And that's 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 considered a partial wrap. That's maybe a 12-foot logo total on the truck, on the trailer, I mean. And that's something that stands out, pops out. I believe we also put a QR code Moving forward, we started putting a large QR code on the back of the trailer for them, just so people can scan, get to the driver application page, or get to their website or Facebook, see what they offer. Do people find good conversion on those QR codes on, on trailers? I see them, and I, I'm always curious about that. I'm like, are, are people actually scanning those? I've started to use QR oh, codes I, way more. I, like, when they came out 10 years ago, I never used them. But now, like, with your phone, you get that, like, yellow, like that yellow square around the QR code. Yeah, yeah. And you go direct. It makes it so much easier. It's, that's the thing. It's so much easier now. It gives you the direct link. All you have to do is open the camera. So, yeah, we definitely see it. I have QR codes on trailers. Obviously, there's people I've uh, – companies I've partnered with where we'll give them a discount if we can put our QR code on there or our logo on there or something like that. So we track our own QR conversion rates. And let me tell you, it's high. It's a lot easier to just snap your phone out. For the most part, on your phone anyway, it's a lot easier just to exit the app you're in and open the camera app and scan it than it is to – try to type in a phone number, try to type in a website or whatever it may be. And nine out of 10 times, your phone number or your website can only be so large on the trailer because you have only so much space, whereas the QR code can be as large as you want, and it takes you directly to there. Yeah, some of these transformations are remarkable, too. Do we have the before and after photos of, yeah, here's the before. This is before they get the wrap. Now show everyone what it looks like. Yeah, there we go. That looks like a completely different truck. Absolutely. That's a Chicago-based company. Uh, they're very local, and they wanted to, you know, highlight Chicago on their truck for one of their drivers who was born and raised here. So, yeah, we came up with the design ourselves. Obviously, used the baby blue from the Chicago colors. They wanted a little bit black theme. So we fully wrapped it. Now it looks like a brand-new truck. And to be honest, we've had a lot of customers come wrap a truck or a box truck, just wrap it white because they want to sell it. It looks a lot cleaner. It looks – it's going to protect the original paint of the of the tractor or the trailer so a lot of people have started doing that as well, especially if they've had old decals that they can't remove and it's just impossible to scratch them off. You just rewrap it white and it looks brand new. Now I got to ask, are you so like your, your printers, they sound pretty custom and the way these are put on sound pretty custom. So have you wrapped other things? Like I think one of the videos Stephanie sent me was a Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. We wrapped, uh, that was my old Jeep. Uh, we fully wrapped that. Uh, we wrapped a customer's Jeep at some place for, um, Soccer club here in Chicago, they wanted to wrap it uh, to promote the soccer club, so we did a full wrap on the soccer club. We've done exotic cars. We've done minivans. We've done some train numbering decals. So we've done a pretty wide range of vehicles when it comes to it. Our bread and butter is tractors and trailers. Um, But, yeah, we've done some pretty cool cars. But then you get down to, like, 164th scale as well, because I saw that you wrapped some mini trailers on die-cast trucks, too. Do you have, like, a die-cast division? 
Yeah, no, we don't. So uh, what we do is, especially for customers that uh, either they've ordered from us before or we're, we're working to get their business, um, we want to show them what it looks like on a trailer. I think it's it, it, pictures can only do so much, but when you show them what the actual wrap looks like on the trailer, um, I think it speaks volumes. So what we do is we do have these die-cast models, and then when we want to show a customer how it looks, we will print it to the, to the size, and now you get an actual image of what it looks like. And when you do some trick photography, now that looks like an actual truck on an actual road with an actual trailer, and they get the real visual of what it'll look like. Oh, really, really cool. Uh, I think we have one last one I want to see here is this Harley one. Show this. I, I really like the design on this one. What was the story behind this tanker? Yeah, so uh, this is a very big Harley enthusiast. Um, he sent us all the images. He knew he wanted the Harley outline logo type, and he had that. I believe that image is... Uh, like an engine, a Harley engine. I'm not really into motorcycles, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. But if I remember correctly, it was it's like a heart in the shape of a Harley engine. And that's something that he wanted to put on there, to something to express. He said he always talks to other drivers on the road. They always pick up a conversation because of it. Because, oh, you're into bikes. Oh, I'm into Indians or I'm into these types of bikes. And then it just strikes up a conversation. Easy to talk to him. I think that's really cool. Well, people who want to get a wrap, how do they get in touch with you? How do they start this process? Absolutely. So uh, they can vi visit our website, TotalTruckBranding.com, all of our social media pages, or give us a call at 312-477-2030. And then somebody will pick up either myself or Stephanie, more likely Stephanie, and then we'll get that process going. We'll find out what you want, what you want to put on there, and then within three to five days, can probably have everything ready to go. Looks really cool. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it as well. Take care. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, you had them for seven years. You live in Florida? No, no, I'm from Pennsylvania. Wow. How'd you how'd you come across them? Just walking down. I rescued thousands of alligators in Pennsylvania. Really? People get them, for pets? They get them for no, pets. He was a wild alligator. He's a Disney baby. Where's he sleep? Sometimes in my bed. Sometimes in the pond. Sometimes under the table. Is there a Mrs. Uh, you? No. no? Okay. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Can I? Can I just? Yeah, pet him. Look, I'll tell oh, yeah. He likes his chin rubbed. His chin rubbed? Yep. Yeah. He loves his chin rub. He does not bite. Good thing about that. How do you know that? Because I've had him for seven years. He lives in my house. Lay down. Lay down. I'm just going to. Is it okay if I touch his back yeah, right you can here? Yeah, touch anywhere. Look, just rub. Wow. I can't believe I'm touching an alligator. <laughs> so what was going on there is that was someone's emotional support alligator. Uh, it said on raw alerts, this was in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park, where this guy tried to bring Wally the alligator into the park, and they were like, yeah, I don't think so. What do you think? Fair game? Bring an alligator to a ballpark? I don't know. Hey, do we got uh, Rob Proctor from Fleetworthy Solutions here? We do. There he is. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Uh, I'm, I'm good. That was a... Uh... That was different. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that they sleep with an alligator before. So learned sounds, something new today. It sounds dangerous. I wonder. I don't know. That's disconcerting. I don't think it would be that yeah, cuddly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, hey, well, wait, do you, before we get into CSA scores, do you have an emotional yeah. support animal? I don't. Uh, no, I just have my Green Bay Packers, uh, which disappointed me last night. So I'm emotionally bruised at this time. Uh, yeah, that was a rough game, man. The only good thing about it was it was my son's birthday this morning. So I was able to go to bed early because the game was over by like halftime, basically. That yeah, was brutal. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. I got better news, though. My boy Justin Timberlake released a new song with NSYNC today. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Oh, wow. You know, it's the guys in our control room were talking about that. They were they're super excited about uh, the new record by uh, by J. Tim over there. Let's talk about CSA scores, though. So what like let's start at the let's do a little one on one. What's the basic methodology behind CSA scores? Yeah, so I mean, if anybody really wants to, you know, bore themselves to sleep if they don't have an alligator with them, you can actually download the FMCSA uh, CSA uh, basics. It's 76 pages. Um, so it, it's there's a lot in there. Basically, what you're looking at, no pun intended, is seven different factors that you can get measured by. Uh, that's inclusive of unsafe driving, crash indicator, hours of service, vehicle maintenance, controlled substances, alcohol, um, hazardous materials, and then driver fitness. So there's several different uh, I guess, scores that go into grading you as a motor carrier to determine whether or not you're safe or unsafe. And each one of those factors have different uh, 
what's the wording I'm trying to use here, like violations that uh, could be as little as just a zero point or it could be a 10 point type violation that in terms of severity by each basic. So anytime that you put a driver on the road and you have the side of your truck marked with your DOT, if they get into a roadside inspection, if they find something that isn't um, either compliant or considered to be unsafe, you get marked off. Get enough of those and you could end up in an intervention process. And at that point, you may need to uh, consult with somebody to get prepared for an audit or otherwise. The biggest thing that we can recommend here at Fleetworthy that um, our clients or any motor carrier does is make sure that you have all of your documents and your files really in a centralized location so they have access to them 24 7 365 you know whether it's a driver qualification management program hours of service or otherwise because again those are the things that will lead into uh, the audit and whether or not you're going to come out of there unscathed uh, the biggest thing also is make sure that you're hiring safe drivers when you're doing the qualification process behind it um, because they will come and look at you and look at your unsafe drivers in the event that something like that happens. Now, is there like, is there a crash preventability? Are there programs you can get into that can help improve these scores? How does that work? Yeah. So let's say that you have some um, either violations that went against you or you got into an accident and, you know, believe it or not, there's about 180,000 per the FMCSA, 180,000 accidents in a year, which breaks down to just about 50,000 in a quarter. Uh, so there's a process that goes into, if you get into an accident, submitting that to the FMCSA and then making a having them make a determination on was the accident preventable? And if yes, then you can have it at least marked off so you don't in, uh, incur violation against your crash indicator. Or if it was preventable, um, then you don't lose the uh lose the violation. It used to be up until 2019, the FMCSA took every accident and didn't care whose fault it was and applied it against you. So one of the better things they've done over the course of the past four years is implemented this crash preventability determination program, uh, which is an insane mouthful, but it's a very easy and simple process to follow. And they'll actually give you a play-by-play -play, uh, book to be able to help you determine whether A, it was preventable or not preventable and be how you submit it. So anytime you get into an accident, whether you consider it to be your fault or not, you need to submit it to the FMCSA along with the police report, and that'll help you get that wiped off of your record. How does data cue factor into CSA scores? Uh, data cue is like the, so it's the antithesis of what I just described with the crash preventability uh, determination. I mean, it, with that, with the crash preventability, it's all, like it's by the book, it's very clean cut what can and cannot be considered. Data queue, on the other hand, is something that you do want to submit in the event that you feel like the officer was doing one of two things, either A, misapplying the federal code and, uh, and applying points in areas that they shouldn't have been applying points for based on the violation, or B, which happens more often, is stacking where something is wrong, but then they'll stack different violations into that single instance, uh, which could cause your CSA scores to spike uh, within that specific basic. So with a data queue, you know, it's a little bit different. You, can, you submit it the same way. It's actually through the FMCSA data queue portal or, or what's called an RDR um, or request for data review. But with a data queue, it's a little bit more convoluted because it goes to the authority that issued you your violation. So basically, you got to get them to admit that they did something wrong, um, and that doesn't always happen. Good news is that they are reviewing that, the FMCSA is, to determine whether or not the data queue process is actually effective. And then the appeals process being reviewed by the same people that rejected it will likely now go to an independent third party and or somebody else within the industry to do the review and make that application. But without the crash preventability determination program or data queues, you are stuck with what you get. So make sure you have somebody in your corner, whether it's you know, a company like Fleetworthy Solutions or somebody internal that knows how to manage that and then make those uh, requests for appeal when necessary. How did, so last question for you, how does uh, CSA roadside inspections, uh, what are the importance of those? Yeah, so, I mean, roadside inspections can happen anywhere, whether it is, uh, you know, at a way station, it could be because you were randomly selected or you were doing something wrong on the road. Um, biggest thing is just like with anybody, let's say that you get pulled over for any reason as a, as a civilian and you're not operating, um, a heavy equipment, you know, you want to work with the officer. Don't be difficult. 
right? It, they're just doing their job. The biggest thing that you can do as a driver of any vehicle is be polite, courteous, smile. Like there are things that can be much less painful for you if you acquiesce to what the officer is looking for. So if you're an operator of a commercial motor vehicle and you have a roadside inspection, you are required to submit that uh, roadside inspection to your motor carrier within 24 hours of that inspection occurring. Good, bad, or ugly, they need to get a copy of it. And if you get put out of service, that motor carrier has 15 days to get that uh, correction made to whatever violation was applied. Failure to do so could mark it up against you and you are not able to put that vehicle back on the road, which takes money out of your pocket. You have enough of those bad roadside inspections, um, you get enough bad scores, you will have an intervention. And the FMCSA and the DOT are not friendly when it comes to doing reviews for safety. Their entire job and purpose is to make sure that our roadways are safe. And as a result of that, it could be very painful for you as a motor carrier. You could have fines and fees applied against you. We're already over $23 million in fiscal year 23, which is expensive. You know, back in 21, they actually had a, a motor carrier get hit for $12 million on a single investigation. That's what was settled. And that's not including all the other ones that get put out of business because they're unable to continue to operate. So all of the, the chain reaction that comes from a roadside, uh, if you have bad roadside inspections and you're not doing your diligence on data cues and crash determination, uh, you are going to be uh, putting yourself behind the eight ball and at a, a lesser advantage than other companies within the industry. All right. Well, that's a lot to be mindful of, Robert. People who need to read more about this, they didn't retain all this information. Where can I send them to? Well, you can send them to fleetworthy.com. Um, we have a team of experts here that are always available, uh, whether you have questions regarding uh, what your motor carrier basics look like, or if you need assistance with managing anything from your driver qualification files to your IRP and base plating, as well as your fuel tax management. Cool. Hey, thank you very much, Robert, for helping us go beyond compliant. Enjoy, yeah, enjoy your time today. Take care, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. No ride, no app, no problem with Uber Central and Uber for Business. You can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the tractor. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support in an easy-to-use dashboard. Learn more at uberforbusiness.com. And, hey, there's an event coming up. There's a few events. There's F3, obviously, but then there's this one. Attention, tank truck industry carriers, private fleets, and suppliers. Have you registered for this October's Tank Truck Week 2023? It's the largest tank truck event in North America for cutting-edge innovation, powerhouse networking, and keeping up with industry trends and insights, content, and value for executive safety, HR, maintenance, tank wash, purchasing, and more. Help drive the tank industry forward October 8th or 11th this year in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. It's worth sending a representative. Register at tanktruck.org slash tank truck week let's see uh, our next guest out oh wait hold on elsewhere this is actually kind of neat. there we go the f1 car going to british airways tim and matt's travels had early f1 delivery on our vegas bound flight from london jeff says they put cars in the same place they charge me if my luggage is overweight and this guy says that's not an F1 car. There's always someone in the replies. I don't know what the hell that is. Looks like an F1 car to me. All right, let's take a look at our guests out and about in Chicago. <laughs> Good morning. What's up? Dinner. What's up? <laughs> hey, look at you guys. You look fantastic. Oh, <laughs> oh there you're at the Black we're, Box we're, we've game. Been, we've been tearing the city up, man. You've been, you've been, people have been put on notice here. The city's been put on notice. <laughs> I, I love it. So that was, you know, that, that company that was C. That was that was a real company that moved the watermelon. That that whose box you were in, right? EPKC. Oh, last night. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Can uh, Canadian Pacific Kansas City Southern Railroad. Now, yeah. <laughs> and the, these boxes are interesting. Wait, we got a bunch of reads. What? I got two reads on here now. <laughs> there's okay, there's TJ. Let's oh, go. There go. All right, let's introduce yeah. ourselves. We got Reed over in yeah. the top left. Reed, tell everybody, say hello. Yo, what's up? What's up? I don't, I don't want to talk much more. People know who I am, hopefully. I've been here a decent amount. <laughs> Steve, Maybe. something. There's always new viewers, though. What about you, Paul? What's up, dude? What's going on, Tuner? Uh, thanks for having us today. Uh, shout out to Maca Logistics. We got into the CPKC Blackhawks game yesterday because of our guy Rob at Maca Logistics. So, gotta give him a shout out. But yeah, we're we're 
with Reed in Chicago this week. Look, I think it's really cute that you're at the stage in your relationship, Reed and, and Paul, that you're dressing in the same outfits every day. Like I, you had the track suits, you had the hoodies, now you got the same uh, vests on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's been good. It's been good. All right. Well, how about have a bottom left over here? What's up, sir? Hey, dinner, Steve. Doing well. How are yourself? Doing great. Where are you from? People haven't met you before. Where are you coming yeah, from? Yeah, no, I'm hosting Paul and Reed actually this week. Uh, I'm, I'm in Chicago <laughs> with them. Oh, really? You are? What, what are you guys, what are you getting into with them? Yeah, well, I'm hosting them. I'm in the logistics space as well. Uh, watching these guys me around Chicago, I guess. Very cool. And bottom right corner. Yeah, it's TJ with uh, Santa Barbara Freight. So uh, I'm out here on the road. Uh, I was hoping to not be on Friday, but uh, I'm stuck in a truck today. But uh, at Darting Up Hill on Twitter. headset you got there. Steve, you got yeah, to wrap up. My Bose A20 right there. I like this your Bose. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it should be coming through loud and clear. Uh, it's, it's the best I've found. You sound good. You said, do you ever, hey, do you have a wrap on your truck? We started the show talking about wraps. I'm curious if you got one on yours. You know, we got some big logos, um, but I love the wrapping game that we just saw, man. That, those trucks are awesome. And actually, um, was he in Chicago or was he somewhere else? I can't remember where his business He was in the infamous Elk Grove, Illinois. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, man, I got Elk Grove. I wish it was Elk Grove, uh, California. Isn't there an Elk Grove in California? But I don't know. Anyway. Are, so. Reed, are all Elk Groves bad? Or is what's the difference between none of them are bad? None of okay. them. Are yeah, bad. none of them all are good. Bad. Yeah. yeah, they just yeah. have a yeah. higher like capita of like G wagons, like you know per capita. More G wagons <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of G wagons. There are in other yeah, places. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so and, and uh, tracksuits too. More tracksuits. Well, I was gonna ask that. So great topic. We saw you all in the tracksuits. I got mine on. I th- I think that you might have one on in the in the corner over there. Tell me about this. Did tracksuits help you book more loads. Read. Uh yes. Why do you say that? <laughs> of course. I mean, it's like you so know when you you you're playing a video game, you attach a piece of gear, it levels up your skills. Like, I, I would say that a tracksuit, like a, a, a coordinated tracksuit would level up your negotiating ability with, elk, you know, carriers from, like, let's say an Elk Grove village uh, by a couple, you know, a, a large per- percentage. So maybe plus 25% negotiating skills in a tracksuit as a broker. I love it. It's like a game genie for, for brokerage sales. Would you agree with that freight caviar, Mr. Paul PBJ over there? Yeah, I definitely do agree. You know, like I, I think uh, the way you dress, uh, you know, it, it helps you be more confident. It helps you uh, kind of be more, uh, I don't know, better negotiator. So having a tracksuit on puts you in that Eastern European kind of Slavic mentality where it's okay. It's like, I'm, I'm going after it. I'm going to, I'm going to go save up enough money to buy a G wagon. And I, I think that's where like, it does help. It helps you negotiate, helps you get better loads. And this is mostly for trucking companies, right? Cause mostly trucking companies are out there in Elk Grove. So if you're, if you're a trucking company owner or you're a dispatcher wearing a tracksuit is going to level you up. Well, so but here's the thing. I'm looking down at Steve, and he's not wearing a tracksuit. He's wearing a polo. Steve, you seem like a successful guy. What's what's the story here? Hey, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, so I, I run OB Logistics, which was just acquired this week by oh. Busky Logistics. Um, but uh, to the the tracksuit comment, yeah, if I have a track, if a, a driver showing up in a tracksuit at my warehouse, yeah, he's gonna get a tip of the hat, <laughs> a little bit more respect for sure. <laughs> All right, well, TJ, you're 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 driving a truck. You're in a truck. You got a blue parrot on. You trust an yeah, Eastern absolutely. European in a tracksuit more than like you know your standard American guy in like a University of Tennessee shirt or a Zin shirt. I trust everyone. Everyone that wears a tracksuit, I trust more. I'm actually just I'm testing the model right now. I got this tracksuit last night for the event today, and uh, I'm booking freight on it, and I'm being very very successful today. I, I, Every time I, gotta... I stop the truck, I book freight. <laughs> Now, if you look at my Amazon purchases, I own like six tracksuits, and it's because this industry, you guys are right, this is the one industry where like this is better than a three-piece suit. This will actually get you taken seriously by people. They know that you push 
loads. Now, one issue that's really serious right now, there's even some violence happening on there, and I'll show a video about it in just a second from the UAW. But before I do, who's the villain in this strike? Is it the Big Three or the UAW, Reed? Honestly, man, I, I, that's, a, that's a hot button issue, and you're kind of, I, I, I am not the person to comment on that. Um, I, I'm ignorant about it, to be honest. So I, uh, I, I know that it's going to like, likely have like, downstream consequences, and hopefully, you know, the workers and, and the companies can arrive at a, at a kind of an, an amicable um, outcome. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, it's been the summer and now the fall of labor action. Even the Waffle House is uh, trying to unionize. Steve, you just stuck your finger up. What are you? What's your take on the situation? Oh, I got a hot take. I've spent some considerable time with unions, U.S. Steelworkers, but uh, specifically, uh, I think you know the the villain here, the, the folks, uh, the union. I mean, the job just going to be shipping down to Mexico. When you think about some of the auto plants down in the south, it's just going to shift jobs down there. So, you want my hot take? That's my opinion. Paul, would you would you oh. agree with that? What do you think, man? You bring bring your Eastern European track suited mentality to this. Uh, I don't like getting involved in politics. <laughs> I, I feel like I'd rather just be apolitical and uh, not not comment here. Just kind of I'm gonna I'm watching from the sidelines, you know. And I, I believe you know we live in a free. You're not in the arena on this debate. Yeah. Well, they just yeah, extended. <laughs> they just extended to two more locations. The UAW they they took action because things haven't progressed like they've uh, they've wanted to. Do you think that this is prolonged? You don't have to make a statement on who's bad or who's good, but do you think this goes sure. on for a long time? And do you think there's any impact on freight? So I saw the the car dealership guy just tweeted like a couple hours ago saying that the distribution uh, parts for Ford are uh, being delayed or just not being brought in at the moment. Therefore, it will cause definitely, uh, you know, I guess problems in manufacturing vehicles uh, like Ford. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's going to, it'll be a little bit prolonged. I'm guessing that within a month, everything will get resolved and then things will come back to normal. Interesting. Well, things have gotten very contentious yesterday. Here's a video from the UAW about what's happening out on the picket lines. Shocking reports of violence against our members on the picket lines. In Flint, a non-union contractor driving a large SUV was leaving a General Motors parts depot when they sped up and hit five of our members, sending two to the hospital in an ambulance. These cowards then immediately fled the scene. In Massachusetts, a member and a state senator were hit by cars on the picket line at a Stellantis parts depot. And in California, our members have had guns pulled on them by non-union contractors crossing the line at a Stellantis Parts Depot. These members and allies are in our thoughts, and we condemn this violence that GM and Stellantis are enabling. These attacks on our members exercising their constitutional rights to strike and picket will not be tolerated. Shame on these companies for hiring violent scabs to try to break our strike. Wow. This isn't just an attack on the UAW. It's an attack on every worker who chooses to stand up to demand more for their families and themselves. It's an attack on the working class and our right to fight for a better future. Let me be clear. Fighting for economic and social justice isn't a crime. It's our civic duty. It's our sacred right. That's why we are inviting the public to join us on the picket lines in this fight. Together, let's show these companies that the world is watching and that the American people are on our side. Shame on GM and Stellantis for hiring scab contractors. All right, standing Sean. All right, let's jump, Sean. Sean, we get the point. Sean, we get the point. You're going on and on. You're repeating yourself. But... Listen to me. I've been like when I worked at FedEx Trade Networks, for example, there was a strike that happened not at FedEx, but it happened in the same lot that we were attached to. And going into work every day was like a nightmare because a lot of these strikers, they would throw stuff at you and they would hurl insults at you and they would block your way in there and they would, they would make you have to like move through them, which uh, can be contentious. TJ, have you ever been into one of these strike zones before? What advice do you have for drivers? Because as you can see here, going through it can be dangerous like there could be criminal uh, there could be criminal charges placed on some of these people 
Yeah, the best story I have on this is my father crossing a picket line. As an independent contractor, he crossed a picket line in Seattle and he threw a brick through his window. And it, it didn't it didn't go well for the, the, the folks outside and he ended up arrested. But but the point is <laughs> the union the union strikers are they're sometimes just as violent as what this guy's calling out as far as the, the truckers or or the people that cross the picket line. So this is not going to go end well for them. Anybody asking for 40% raise is out of their mind. They're, and the GM's just going to keep – their inventories are high. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to, you know, go with this. And they're going to push back. This is going to go on for a while if they keep asking for ridiculous numbers. That's that's my thought. I, I got to agree with you. Now, on this next video, this is something that I post all the time. It's trucks striking bridges. There's even a truck that struck a bridge on the cover of this very episode. But let me show you a video here, and you guys can tell me what you think of this method. And I realized a 13-9 bridge. This made me worried because I'm 13-8. It was not in my interest to be 13-8, but I need to double check because sometimes these bridges may lie. They may be a little bit off, so I'm just gonna double check, grab our height stick, and let's measure. The section that we need to drive under is 14 feet. Since you all complained that I didn't measure the curb height for some reason, I just measured the curb height to show you it's 13, eight and a half. So the measurements may be from the curb height, but now we're gonna go and check in the middle just in case we get closer to this side and it's 13, nine and a half. So far we're good, but we also gotta remember that we have a bounce. So I'm gonna have to go pretty slow and I can dump my airbags a little. I walked the full length of the bridge and I got taller towards the other side, so we are good to get going. I go under the bridge with dumped airbags and this video is in fast forward, so it's going a little bit quicker, but I was going pretty slow under that bridge. It's always safe to double check. TJ, first time I, you know, I, I see trucks hit bridges all the time, but I think it's the first time I've seen a driver get out to measure one. Is that a, is that a common practice? Should it be a common practice? I I've never seen it, but I, I love it, man. What, a, what doing his due diligence right there? What a, what a guy! I'm, and if they make these measuring sticks, I'm gonna get one for my motor coach because this thing is like 13.6, and I'm always running into problems like or, or you know bridges where I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, how am I gonna get under this? So if they make a measuring stick like that, you can just whip it out. I'm getting one. Steve, should you make it standard on all your loads? Make your drivers get out and measure, or is that inefficient? Just let the free market do what's going to do. You know, they want they don't want to carry a stick. It's their problem. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you think, Reed? Is that their problem? You like a measurer? Uh, I mean, I, th I think that every driver in, in Boston, for example, should drive around with uh, with a measuring stick like that. Dooner, I think the videos we see most frequently are the uh, guys getting a haircut on their trailer on, on Sturrow Drive down there in Boston. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Dad of Two Roadside says when they repave, they don't always mill enough of the old to make up for the new. Props to this dude as car haulers are usually pushing that number. Dad of Two Roadside, he actually showed us a day in his life here. He hauls cars, so you could empathize with uh, yeah, what that yeah, guy was doing. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? You like we, it? Yeah. They do that in Poland? I've never seen it in Poland, um, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think Poland's a little bit different when it comes to trucking like the regulations and all. Uh, the bridges, I think, I believe, are a little bit higher up. So I've, I've never really seen a video or any any kind of accident where a truck hit a bridge when, I, when it was driving under. Uh, and interesting enough, the maximum speed, if you're a truck driver in Poland, is 90 kilometers an hour, which is, if I'm not mistaken, like 60 miles per hour is the max you could drive if you're a truck driver. So drugs go very slowly on the roads. And from my experience, like driving on the Polish highways is a lot safer than driving on highways in the U.S. Well, Cliff says, I love it. I never trust the signs, especially for anything 14 feet or over 14 feet. Always crawl through slowly with my four ways on. Light stick is a great idea, though. And David Newell says, I need a cigarette after watching this. <laughs> TJ, how do you feel... Been? TJ, how do you feel about getting tracked? Do you like, what do you like? Do you like tracking? Do you like check calls? Do you like text? How do you like to be communicated with? Well, we, as a business, like, you know, we have 50, 60 drivers on the road at all times. And as a business, we love the tracking. There's just, it, there's just nothing more efficient than being able to log in and see exactly where, where your 
shipments are, where your trucks are, where your trailers are. So we love it as a business. As a um, as a libertarian American, um, I feel like there's a little bit of overreach going on. And uh, so personally, I don't like it at all on me, but I'm a responsible citizen that, you know, that makes things happen. And uh, I don't really have time to be, you know, clicking in and out of, of, of an app all the time. So personally, I dislike it as a business. It's got, you know, it's awesome. You know, it's awesome. So would you, would you prefer they did it in person, maybe by running next to your truck like this gentleman here? <laughs> <laughs> and that's you can tell that's not Mike Lombard because he's not yelling about Rome or, or any general or Napoleon. <laughs> that guy's in Poland. That, this is a Polish truck. <laughs> no, is that really? It's, Paul, it's you not, know that guy? No, no, it's not in Poland. I don't know where it's at, but it's, it's, it's definitely not in Poland. I've never seen those kind of, that, that kind of a truck. In, in Europe, I don't know where that is. I must, that, I guy, that like, guy is that guy is Holland. Yeah. Holy cow! Um, yeah, those glasses are pretty sweet too. I kind of want those. Now, Reed, should we Photoshop. have a semi truck race alert. at F three? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, why not? Next question. Speaking of races, <laughs> speaking of races, you, I, I'm not kidding about preparing the please advisory group race bike. That's not. That's not just a yeah. TJ uh, Tuner TJ has a uh, races competitive bikes like motorcycles, and he's like decaling his whole race bike with like please advise stuff. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. you talk to Total Truck Branding? They could just like wrap your entire race bike. Yeah, hundred percent. No, actually, I'll, I'll do that. I'll I'll reach out to them and I'll just ship the plastics up to them. They can wrap it, and then uh, send them back to me, and and then I'll get the footage on the racetrack with it. Yeah, I don't. I don't race competitively anymore, but but I know how to go to the track and shoot video with the new bike once we create it. So that that's that's going to happen probably by the end of uh, spring, maybe like uh, or not end of spring, but at the beginning of spring, about end of February, we'll we'll have it all finished up. Hmm. Let's see, Paul. I got a question for you. How do you feel about lumper automation? How do you feel like turning all the lumpers into robots? I think that's a great idea. Uh, I know that we have <laughs> oh. appreciation week. When was Lumper Appreciation Week, Reed? Or is that May? May. 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 It's like early May. But you said yesterday that you're going to do it again as a joke. I know it was a joke, but it was. It yeah. Was well, no, no, we're going to do it again in May. I already have the dates picked out. Yeah. What are the, what are the like dates? Ten times a year. Uh, it should be happening like. It, it, it's it's always year. Lumper Appreciation Week will always be uh, a Wednesday to a Tuesday. So I believe it's the I believe it's like the sixth through the 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 twelfth or something like that uh, of May. Um, don't quote me on that, though, everyone listening. I'll, 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 it, there will be plenty of notice given to, to the public for Lumper <laughs> Appreciation Week. I know Rachel Premack especially is uh, looking forward to it this year. I bet you or next year. I, my, my, alma mater, for, my alma mater, Forklift. FedEx, though, they're looking to get rid of these lumpers. On Tuesday at the Unlock the Dock event in San Francisco, they debuted these things. It's uh, Dexterity. They announced this partnership with FedEx. Um, it says that these things right here, it takes them about 500 milliseconds or less to assess all these boxes and build a wall. The article that released, they, they didn't say how many FedEx ground trailers would be using these. I don't know if it's like one or 100 or 200. Whenever they show these robot videos, though, you'll notice they always speed them up. Like, these are never in real time. So my suspicion right. is it might be kind of slow. What do you think, Steve? I mean, it's always a pipe dream, these tech solutions. <laughs> this is my cynical approach. But no, I mean, there's an applicable, uh, there, there's a, a solution here, but I don't know how applicable it is to the wider industry. Um, it would help my business, that's for sure. Yeah, how would you run a, like a robot lumber line like that? Would that be like on overnight freight or stuff like that? How would you, how would you do it? Do you have a lot of even freight? Because it looks like one of the issues with that is like the boxes have to be, they kind of have to dim in in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, like, those would be more applicable for, like, final mile, you know, solution, final mile uh, modes of transportation. So think, like, FedEx, UPS, Amazon, e-commerce fulfillment. Um, you know, we really only do, we're getting more into just retail consolidation. So case pick onto a pallet. So it wouldn't necessarily be a use case for us. Um, and also full pallet in, full pallet out. So, but, I mean, there's a use case there for sure. Just capital intensive. Reed, are you bullish on warehouse robots like that? Warehouse lumber robots? Not, not at all. I'm going to go the opposite way of Paul and say that I think it's an abomination. Uh, I think that lumpers are, are valuable members of the supply chain. We need people to load trucks and unload trucks. 
I know lumpers usually unload trucks, so um, yeah, yeah, we, we need them. Who else is gonna Who else is gonna do the loading? I feel not like Reed. Robots, not anytime soon. I feel like Reed's playing to the audience today and not giving me giving me real. <laughs> yeah, right, Tanner. Right. I feel like he's holding back. Like I feel like if the, if the wasn't record wasn't on, I'd be hearing a different answer. <laughs> TJ. Most of your audience. Most of your audience does not like lumpers. I feel like people, dude. I got so many hateful DMs when I was pushing Lumper Appreciation Week. People were like, "Are you crazy?" Like. <laughs> Could be. TJ, what do you think, man? You you like these? You'd like to pull up to some robots? Well, so so yesterday I found myself unloading a full load of, of uh, pallets of wine, right? And the, the, the pallets were all identical. They were square. And I went in the trailer with a zoomer. You know, a zoomer like the ones Costco uses when they unload at their DCs. Oh, well, not like Gen Z. I got... I got to think. Uh, all, the zoom, uh, all the all the zoomers need is lines painted on the warehouse floor, yes. and and a camera on the front and a camera on the back. And these these electric pallet jacks could unload and put the freight. The same thing I did yesterday. It, instantly, it's not rocket science, right? It goes into the same trailer, comes out of the same trailer. So if the if the floors are marked and these things have cameras, this is it's going to be game on. Like I, I I'm willing to bet Amazon and and Costco and the like are using robot electric pallet jacks right now to unload and stage, unload and stage. It's just in the trailer, out of the trailer, in the trailer, out of the trailer. It's so simple. And so I'd be very concerned if I had my career built on uh, driving forklifts. Well, all, all this new, like all this new tech that people talk about, they they kind of act like it needs to be at mass scale to begin with, and it's not. It's the big companies, the FedEx, the Amazons of the world that are going to get these lumpers, going to be testing AVs, and it's the Pepsi's that are going to be, you know, spending the money on the EVs. Like this is, if you look at warehouses, eighty percent of warehouses are not tech enabled at all, right? Like I was just, I was just reading an article on AI history. Eighty percent are even tech enabled at all, but they're small, like. Uh, changes you can make here now i got a question on etiquette how about some freight etiquette if you're pulling up to a receiver tj is this ever okay <laughs> my name sir my name is these these what sir <laughs> what do you think tj fair or foul it's a great larry Train. <laughs> I love it. I, I have never seen that guy. I'm going to go follow him. That's hilarious. And uh, I'm going to try it at the next chance I get. Like, that, that's awesome. Just pull these every time. What about you? Oh, I feel like you do this anyway, like at restaurants. You're like, they're like what's the name you want to put yeah. the table under? You know, uh, <laughs> no, I, I have a completely different personality than what I, I think is shown on freight caviar via memes. Um, I'm usually just kind of a, a chill person. I don't, I don't. I don't do those kind of things. Maybe I, I would have done it when I was like 14, uh, but nowadays <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm your site is literally called "Man, I Love Freight" off a milk like joke. Yeah, Stop yeah I know, I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. I'm Man. a little bit different. Yeah, that's that's just the brand. That's freight caviar. All right, but, you get. Uh, <laughs> So, like, the metaverse, for example, you guys do spaces, and I was talking to Justin last night, and I was like, man, it would be really cool if those were, like, in the metaverse, like that Lex Friedman Facebook thing. But Zuckerberg now has these glasses, too, the streamer glasses. What do you guys think of these? Do you think they're going to change business? Do you think they're going to change the way we communicate? Do you think they're going to change the way we make content, Paul? Uh, I did see the clip between Zuckerberg and Lex Fred Friedman yesterday uh, with the podcast recording. And so being able to record in the metaverse a podcast that makes it seem like we're almost together in person will be game changer and it will create better content. Uh, and I think it will just continue to get better. So I, I, I do give props to Mark Zuckerberg who has received a lot of, I guess, negative publicity in the last couple of years for spending a lot of money in the metaverse, but it does seem like he's going the right direction. And I, I think it will create a social world that's more realistic than we have today. So yeah, I, I'm bullish on it. Wow, Reed, would you you agree? I think I think it's just Zuck yeah, getting yeah. all your data. Yeah. No, I, first of all, shout out Zuck for improving on the metaverse like graphics, like that old picture of him from a couple years ago, where uh, with like the Eiffel Tower in the background is super bad. Uh, so this is good. No, no, but no, that's the current metaverse. Reed, awesome. that's the current metaverse right now. The, the Lex Friedman thing was a specialized, incredibly expensive like yeah. headset. That's not what you actually get in the metaverse. 
Oh, okay. Well, whatever. But anyway, listen, I, I, I think those glasses, like those Ray-Bans you just showed, look awesome. And those, those are totally going to open up with possibilities, you know, for filming stuff quickly that you can't do now. So I'm totally bullish on all that stuff. I, I agree with Paul 100%. Reed and Paul, you guys look like you're on a little bit of a delay. I know you're out late last night. Do you think this burger would cure the hangover that you're both clearly suffering from at this moment? <laughs> oh. Too much? You guys like a bunch of grease? Might be too much for me. No. Oh, too much. Oh. I don't like fried food. What is that? The, the burger looked the, the burger looked good before that fried thing. Yeah. Donut? Those are fries, I think. Uh, I wish we had two hours, guys. I'm already out of time. Special thanks to Reed Lucelot, Paul Bernard, Joroslavsky, Steve Schlecht, and TJ for joining us today for Please Advise. Summit 2, I hope you learned something. Probably not. Find me on Twitter at Tony Junior, find the show at FW What the Chuck. Look us up on Freight Waves YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it easy, love the